0: I would give up an advantage in Survivor for the brown bread at Cheesecake Factory. <gasps> Actually,
1: I can I change my answer to IHOP? <laughs> no, <laughs> <What's> no. <happening>? <laughs> <laughs> I want pancakes. Anyway, uh, we should go to, to bed.
0: Welcome back one and all to Escaping Reality, the podcast where four, and that's right, there are four of us again, uh, four friends sit down and we chat through reality TV, reality competition shows that we've been watching. If you are new here or if you are returning, we are in the midst of watching Survivor Season 42. It is live right now. We're having a great time. We just watched Episode 6. It was a big one, so get ready for a Doozy of an episode, um, <laughs> it's gonna be great. Don't worry. And uh, Nick is back this week, so if you listened for uh, the last episode, Nick was not here, and Nick is back. So welcome back to Nick. And uh, you guys know the drill: subscribe, follow us on Instagram at Escaping Reality Pod, Twitter ESC Reality Pod, Escaping Reality on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and leave a review if you nasty. Um, okay. Like I mentioned, we were talking about Survivor Season 42, Episode 6, if you guys watched, which I'm sure you did. It's a merge episode, so it's a big one. We've been waiting for it. Lots to talk about. So let's get right into it with our initial thoughts. Nick, as you have been absent, I'm going to let you kick us off. So please, initial thoughts on this episode.
2: Oh my God, thanks for having me back. I was expecting, you know, like celebrations, some cake, a little, maybe some champagne to welcome me back, but you know, it's fine. It's fine, we'll make do here. I have been training for my run on Survivor by playing gay dodgeball in a middle school gym in Chelsea. But I've been enjoying the season and this episode was a great episode. I was thinking about it last night when me and Aggie finished watching because we did watch a day late and I was like, this is seemingly an episode that felt really long, but also felt fast. Felt like nothing happened, but also had a lot happen. And I will explain those thoughts more as we work through this episode. But I overall liked it. I, I, I enjoyed this merge episode. I thought it was interesting. I thought we had some high moments, some low moments. We got great character development from basically everyone, because we saw almost everyone chat. So that was about it.
0: Incredible, Stacy. What about you?
3: What did you think? I thought it was a great episode. Or I, it has two titles, so I'm like, is it two episodes? I'm a little unclear on if this is six and seven or just six. But either way, I'm glad that it was a two hour and not a split right before the hourglass. Um, but I thought it was great. I was so excited to watch it. I was so excited and hurricanes level winds hit (laughs) my home. (laughs) I mean, I didn't like hit my home specifically, but there was some rough weather, so I could not watch it um, because the weather people were doing their job. So I watched it yesterday um, and I thought it was great. I cried. I laughed. I cheered. I texted Anna because she had seen it already. I thought it was great. Um, And I definitely agree with Nick, that just hearing more about the players was honestly probably my favorite part because We knew what was kind of happened. We were not surprised, but the players were. So I thought it was great. Aggie, you are up next.
1: I also loved it. I thought it was a really good episode of Survivor. I think if you're going to force me to put two hours of my personal time in, make it be as good as these. If you're going to force me to watch two hours of Survivor, I want to feel like it was worth my time. Overall, I loved hearing everybody's story. I think the only person we haven't really heard from that much is maybe Lindsay, but overall, I... I'm just invested in a lot more of these players. I don't know if it's because we actually watched their like their if we actually watched their um intro packages before the show started. Like I just I, I'm very excited for them. And now, granted, I wasn't super excited to see the turn back time twist. I'm gonna be honest with you. I wasn't lit that we were doing it again. However, we'll talk about that a little bit more later. I think overall it was just, it was a good episode of survivor. It was one where you were invested in what was going on. It didn't feel like two hours and yeah, I really liked it. It's an exciting time in survivor. The merge is always super exciting. And I will say that I feel like the merge comes earlier in these like shorter seasons, which I love that. I don't like wasting time watching people at camp. So I'm okay with having an earlier merge if we're going to have a shorter season. But yeah, I thought it was a really good episode. And we'll talk about my thoughts on all the very specific things that happen later. We're going to get there. I promise you that. Um, Yeah. I mean, I echo pretty much all
0: the same sentiments. Um, My gut reaction is to be like, amazing episode, no notes. But I'm sure as we talk about the details, I will inevitably have a couple notes. But I agree. It was just like, so fun to watch, really well paced, a much better decision this season to have it be one full longer episode than split it into two. We got to the part where it was the decision making for the turn back time. And I was like, why did we talk so much about it last season? Like I remembered talking about it on the podcast and being like, what decision's going to be made and blah, blah, blah. And then it hit me. Oh yeah, they split it into two episodes. Thank goodness they're not doing that again. It really aided in the enjoyment of the twist. I was not jazzed to see it again, but it was much more palatable when you got back from commercial break and you were like, okay, now I see what's going to happen. Great. Yeah. And I just, same as you guys said, I really enjoyed watching the sort of character development and the relationship building. It's one of my favorite parts of this show. And I agree. Aggie. I'm like, is this season's cast just more sociable? Are they more likable to me? Or is it really the fact that we watch those pre-season cast assessments and therefore we're just sort of in the fast lane for liking and and knowing a lot of these people Um, because it feels really different from last season just in terms of like how much i care by the time we get to the merge so not really sure why that may be more than last season but i really enjoyed watching them all finally interact as individuals uh, and i can't wait to see what happens from this point on so before we get into the real meat of the episode I'll give you a quick recap of what's going on. At the start of this episode, we sort of see like an an overarching, here's what you missed on Glee. And we get a previously on, which I don't think we've had yet this season. Uh, And it's basically a reminder of all of the advantages that have been found that are currently in play. The fact that Omar doesn't have a vote and all of the idols that have been found. And then we sort of cut to a couple moments at Vati and Ika just sort of reminding the audience that Chanel voted for Mike last week. She is in the bad graces of Vati and that Tori and Rockstar have this contentious relationship and she's really paranoid that he's lying about what happened on the journey and he's really annoyed, uh, rightfully so, at her bugging him about it. Chanel's on the outs. Tori's on the outs. Uh, We don't see anything from Taku because no one's really on the outs, but reminder that Marianne, I suppose, is annoying them a bit. But that's sort of the recap that we get from the audience perspective to just put everything into the forefront of the mind before we get to the events of this episode. Nick, you weren't here, so if you if you have some thoughts, please share them.
2: Okay, I just have a thought about this Tori-Roxroy situation. Now, y'all discussed Tori a lot more when I was not here. I know I picked her as my castaway of the week the week that y'all fucking dragged her through the damn mud but it's fine and I am not here to defend her because I did think she was being very annoying but also I see her point of being like why are you lying when somebody else on our team did the same thing and told us exactly what happened like why are you now lying about it like now you're coming across shady I think she went about it the wrong way and I did find her be like continuously asking annoying and also very cringy it was almost like When What's-Her-Face was asking Natalie for the jacket at tribal council. Like, can I please have your jacket? But can I have it? And it's like, okay, stop. Because the answer is no. But I do see her frustration level and being like, yeah, I get it. It's a little frustrating that he's not telling you this big part of the game when somebody else on your tribe already did.
3: I see what you're saying. I just... I feel like I'm too far deep in my <laughs> Tory thoughts. I mean, hey, I have told, I have defended and said like she is very athletic, and I thought she was going to win some in, individual immunities. So, I'm like, I'll give her her props at times, but I can't this time. I can't with that. <laughs> so,
1: I feel like my frustration with Tory and Roxroy in this moment is that her hatred of Roxroy seems very targeted. When other people on that tribe are also annoying. I just don't think it's that important. And I think you've chosen one human to be mad at. And I don't think it's necessary. And to the point where she's like mean. And I'm just like, please stop. But I'm over it. And by over it, I mean, it will come up again next episode. Okay. See you there.
0: Oh, I plan to talk about Tori and Rock sorry, much more later this episode. So it will come up again. So after we have these sort of vignettes of the tribes at the beginning of the episode we get to what is going to kickstart the rest of the two hours which is the challenge we saw this last season so i'm not going to over explain it but basically we've got a challenge where jeff does the whole like talking to the camera to explain what's going on and he mentions you know we're doing the same thing as we did last season but we made some tweaks so we're going to see if that affects the way that the decision-making process happens we then go on to the challenge We get the two tribes on their mats, excuse me, the three tribes on their mats. Jeff says, drop your buffs. Everyone's like, yay, but is it a merge? And Jeff says, well, not really. And we see it play out the same way that it did last season, which is they draw rocks to divide into two teams that are going to compete in the challenge and two sort of odd people out with a gray rock whose fate will be decided by the winning team. So team number one, Drea, Romeo, Mike, Omar, Chanel. Team number two, Jonathan, Marianne, Tori, Lydia, hi. And then the two people who are odd ones out are Roxroy and Lindsay. Before we get into the actual events that take place with the outcome of the challenge and Exile Island and all of that with the twist, thoughts on the breakdown of these teams. The first thing that came to mind for me, of course, was the divide last season was just so heavily in favor of one tribe that still had numbers. Uh, But obviously this season, we're four, four, and four. And so we have a much more random makeup of these teams, which kind of comes into play in the decision-making, but we'll get get to that um, and how it like kind of does, but not really (laughs) in a bit. But any initial thoughts on just the makeup of these teams?
1: No, I thought they were also even, Anna. My biggest thing was, oh, the Orange Tribe is going to win. They have Jonathan and Tori and uh, Loki, High, and Marianne are also pretty physical. Mike did surprise me. Um, And so did Drea, but like in an opposite way. But I was like, mm, Jonathan and Tori, who I think are the two bi- biggest physical threats are on the same team. So I was like, oh,
3: they're probably going to win. Maybe not, but probably. I like just imagine being someone that got on the team with Jonathan. Like you're probably just so happy. Like you're just like, we're about to eat. So that's what I thought. Just like, I'm sure Marianne, well, Marianne's been with him, you know, but the people who are, weren't on his tribe who finally get to like benefit from him, I'm sure they were so happy.
2: <laughs> my initial thought with that though is like all right calm down jonathan like bring it down a notch like you don't need to go all out in this challenge mm-hmm. and like put the biggest target on yourself like you've already been doing that consistently this yeah. is the time where you like bring it down a little bit but like he didn't
0: well i agree with everything that you said my focus was on the other team competing because i was like of course jonathan's doing well and tori like They're athletic. They're super physically fit. And like, he's huge. Of course he can push that boulder and like pull all his team members up that like giant sphere. But I actually found myself rooting so much more for the other team because they weren't doing as well. But from the moment that Drea was struggling and Mike was like, let's regroup. Romeo, you go down. You, like, push her back up. Like, I was talking to Joe while we were watching it and we were like, they're going about this challenge the complete wrong way. But I'm happy for them because they're growing as a team. And I think that's going to work out in their favor when they have to strategize as a team, Um, which we'll get to in a bit. So – We've kind of talked about the challenge, but prior to the challenge, we do get the reveal of the turn back time twist. But Jeff tells us, the audience, (laughs) that there's uh, three variables to the twist that are going to be different than last time. The first of those, obviously, is that the food is from Applebee's. And you're like, okay, but what is what's different about the twist, Jeff? Um, And the two things that are actually different about it are that he's going to tell the players in advance that. Whoever they choose to send away will have huge power to change the game, as well as whichever team wins will have the opportunity to send one of their own teammates in place of that person who pulled the odd rock. So two new components that Jeff is like, we're going to see if we can change the decision making process that actually doesn't change a single thing because the team that wins still sends Roxroy, but with those team breakdowns that we just talked about in mind and those sort of new twists, how do we feel about that decision that was made? I was quite surprised that nobody like that. There wasn't more of an argument for, Hey, maybe one of us should go, but your thoughts, please.
2: I completely agree. I thought it was so stupid. I was disappointed in high. Like I love high so much, but I was just like, why are you not saying anything? And then they were all talking at Applebee's like, we're like in the clear, like we're doing great. We have all this power now because we're not in trouble and all this. I'm like, but you gave away your power. I get it. You wanted to eat. And like Jonathan talks about that too. He's like, I wanted to, but I also like am a big guy and I needed to eat. I was like, you're just giving somebody all this power. It's just, it was a dumb decision. It was dumb and it proves to be a dumb decision.
3: So like when Jeff told the three changes, that was, you know, the only one that I was like, oh this could get interesting because someone might do it themselves and then you know do they want to like screw over their team or I don't know. I mean it just it's another element Applebee's I'm honestly like yes I mean we've seen remember season 39 the excitement for Applebee's that Missy and Karishma had I will never forget <laughs> like that image is in my mind so I was like I'm sure they will that will play a factor but I don't know because then I saw a picture that Ricard posted of their merge feast and this one and like Honestly, the other one looked pretty good too. There's like a lot of fresh fruit and cheese and all this. So I don't know if that was as big of a a factor, maybe. I mean, it was food, like no matter what it was, it was food. I don't think like changing it to Applebee's specifically, it was like a make or break thing. But yeah, I don't know. It would have been nice to see if one of them chose to keep the power for themselves. But I think when you're hungry, that's all you can can focus on. I
1: agree. I honestly thought it was so short-sighted in a game that they have said over and over and over again, this season is unrelenting. So you're aware enough to be like, maybe we shouldn't just give full power to this random other person. And I just feel like it was so short-sighted. I understand you're starving. Like, I get it. Fucking Jonathan needs 18 eggs or whatever that nonsense was. But like, I think I was most disappointed in high because the other people don't seem like strategic players. But I was like, High. Hi you should have known to convince someone else to go right high was not going to volunteer himself but he should have fought to send someone else harder felt like high was blinded by food which was out of character for him i was like you have been balls to walls this whole game and one offer of a burger and fucking chicken wings and you're like i've forgotten what i'm doing not to say that high is a bad player i'm not mad at him i don't dislike him anymore i was just like it feels out of character Uh, i don't know But I I liked that idea as a twist. I still don't like this overall twist, but we can get into that later. I agree with you, though, on just like the
0: concept of it being out of character, because like as we talk about all the time, who knows what conversations they had, but what they chose to show us was the only person who even mentioned the possibility of going was Jonathan in a confessional during the feast. And he was like, I thought maybe, but I'm huge and I'm hungry. And I was like, why <laughs> Why is Jonathan the only person that they are choosing to show us as thinking about this? Uh, I just thought it was a weird choice that, that, like you said, it felt really out of character, especially for High. But alas, none of them go. They bring Lindsay on their team to the feast and they send Roxroy to exile. And then the losing tribe goes back to camp. They're living on the Vati camp. The next sort of few things that we're gonna talk about kind of cut back and forth between the feast and the losers at camp and some scenes on exile island. And then we're back at camp, but both winning and losing teams are together. And then we're back on Exile with Roxroy. I'm kind of gonna lump it all together for the purposes of discussing like the new strategies and potential new alliances that we see uh before we talk about Exile Island, just to not be like jumping back and forth because it does all kind of blend together. So my first main takeaway between seeing them at the feast and then seeing the losers back at camp, I hate to keep calling them the losers, but that is what they are. Um, they are not losers as people. They are just losers in this challenge. Sorry to the losers. But the main takeaway for me was we heard a lot of people's you know, varied perspectives on here's what my approach to the individual game is going to be. Tori shows her whole hand at the feast by spilling all of the secrets. Um, Everybody wants Jonathan as a shield. Drea, to me, was the smartest person, at least from what we heard her express. She's the only person to be like, hey, what if this is what the twist is? Um, And she's right. We know that. They don't know that yet. But I just thought what we heard from her was like the most strategically smart and showed a real thought process of what's happening in the game. But was there anyone who really stood out to you as like, this is my game plan, aside from Drea, who I'm sure
1: everybody agrees with me on that. Sorry, maybe I misunderstood your question. So hold on. You're asking, was there anyone who stood out in the, like, losers other than Drea? No, of literally anybody, losers, winners, just in terms of, like,
0: now it's the merge, here's my game plan, like, to the camera or to other people. Got it, got it. No, wait,
1: I have an answer for this. I actually (laughs) was very impressed with the whole group because- It was not malicious. It was not super conniving right off the bat, but everybody talked to everybody. I felt like this group, there was no one sitting back and just kind of like chilling. And they were finding personal connections to each other. I think the reason we all brought up the storytelling aspect of this episode is like they all get together and truly like everyone is finding a reason to connect. I don't know if it's just these particular people are all like actually maybe nice people, but for the most part, they all just like started talking and then they found sort of this core eight, which I think is, you know, gonna crumble quickly because eight people's a lot to bring through a merge, but like go off. But I just thought it was really nice. But I just loved it. I thought everyone came to fucking play and, but not in a mean and malicious way, in a way of like, I'm gonna look and find new people. I'm gonna talk to everyone. Does that answer your question? Is that related?
0: More or less. And I think it can lead us into like if anybody wants to talk about like some of the specific alliances or just like the individual perspectives, it it, it's gonna be kind of a messy conversation because so much is happening
1: and so much was happening. Like it was I felt like I had whiplash. It was like, oh my gosh, we're talking to these people, we're talking to these people, we're talking to this person. Now we have a calm moment where Jonathan's talking to Mike about just being like a bro who people think is dunce. And I'm like, go off kings, have a nice (laughs) little chat.
0: Um, but point being, please talk about any any and everything with regards
3: to new uh, alliances please I guess Mike is who did stand out to me during this initial like everyone's meeting and chatting because yeah he bonds with Jonathan it makes him feel like very understood and it seemed very like kind of just low-key like they were sitting next to other people who were also like chatting to the side um it's not like they went in the woods and had like a you know deep talk which is fine as well but It just seems so natural, but I feel like Jonathan really appreciated it. And and Mike was having a lot of these types of conversations where he's just kind of like, he's giving some information to some people, but he's mostly just trying to like be on your radar as like, Hey, I'm cool. I'm workable. I'm flexible. Obviously wish he didn't throw Chanel under the bus, but the point is he was, I mean, Drea like trusted him from that conversation. I feel like, so he really stood out to me. I don't know if we're also talking about like the people who were at at Applebee's quote unquote but go for it yeah but Tori on the other hand I'm like you're going off a lot about Rockstroy and just sharing everything and you like she knew it she said to the camera I'm just spilling all the secrets but I just I tend to think that's not a great look I mean I feel like there have been other seasons where people do that what was that one season where like they thought they were merging
2: Thailand yeah
3: ah yes and she shares all this stuff and she's like so ready to flip and guess what happened and that's kind of the vibe i got so obviously i mean she ended up fine but (laughs) that really rubbed me the wrong way
2: i mean obviously like the biggest person that i was paying attention to was high but i also think though like he was doing a great job of going up to like it felt like every single person or whoever he wanted to talk to he was like i'm gonna talk to them and he had a great cutaway of being like, I may be insecure back home and I may not have the most confidence back home or know, or like to go out to random people and talk to them, but that's not going to stop me here. Like I'm going to go and I'm going to talk to the biggest person here and we're going to have a conversation because that's how I'm going to win Survivor. And he did that. He literally talked to every single person and he was just like, this is what it is. And then he would listen to them and be like, okay, I can trust them. I'm going to reveal part of my secrets now. Okay, I could trust you more. So here's a bigger part of my secret. Okay, here's all my secrets because I feel like I can trust you the most now. I agree with you, Aggie. Like it felt like everyone was just talking to everyone. But to me, like, I was definitely the one who was the most strategic in that of being like, I'm going to talk to everybody, but I'm really going to talk to the people that I want to work with.
0: We'll talk about it probably, probably when we talk about tribal council. But like, that seemed to be the general theme that Jeff was trying to push as well of like, how are these conversations getting started? And like, I think Hi said that actually he's like, are you the driver or are you the passenger? Um, and that seems to be like one of the most important aspects in this post-merge game is like, what vibes are you putting out? And what like version of yourself are you being? But also, are you the one putting out the vibes or are you the one catching the vibes? You feel me? <laughs> and like, Jeff really tries to spell it out at tribal, but we'll get there when we get there. Aside from all of that, um, there were a couple things that I wanted to flag just of like the sort of specific little niche, maybe alliances we're going to see. And just, again, the reminders of like, remember the amulet advantage? These people are now all together and they discuss it. And they're like, do we want to work together? Maybe I don't want to work with them because it's to my advantage. We see Drea and Mike have a great conversation about having idols and whether or not they want to work with Marianne, who has an idol. And uh, we see like Mike and Jonathan are talking and they're like, us big misjudged blockheads got to stick together. So we have these sort of specific instances too that those definitely don't feel as real as the sort of vibe connections, but we'll see what happens if they become anything. And then the big one is this sort of eight person power squad, um, which (laughs) I hate to break it to you guys, but like it's eight people and they all name one person from each tribe who's on the outs that's everyone like that leaves one other person who i think the only one who's not involved is romeo that's just the cast that's not an alliance i'm so sorry like i wanted to succeed and i like almost all of these people a lot um that's everyone like you get rid of the three people who you mentioned chanel tori marianne th- it's, then it's just you guys like this is a terrible way to have an alliance um i don't know if anyone else feels as strongly as i do about that but i was like this makes no sense to me
3: <laughs> i was just surprised that it was so many people were involved in this it's that's a lot i don't i feel like that doesn't usually start with such a big group and i was just annoyed with jonathan being like i guess if we had to pick it'd be marianne it's like leave her a look keep her name out of your mouth <laughs> what has she done to you besides talk a lot but yeah I mean it's a big group and then it's like yeah there's just four other people <laughs> that
2: aren't in that what I will say about that group is I did kind of I respect like hi Jonathan and Drea being like let's all form an alliance just so you're aware though Drea was like just so you're aware my number two is Roxroy and I was like just so y'all are aware my number two is Lydia Jonathan's like my number two is Omar so they were like cool we are collectively in this alliance but we are all aware that we are not each other's number 2 we are not bringing each other to the final it's going to come down to a point that we are going to fight and have to get each other out but we'll worry about that when we worry about that we will discover that hi ha, had to worry about that a little bit earlier than expected but i do like that when forming this bigger alliance cuz i do think it forms a more trustworthy alliance when you're i mean like when you're being honest i guess it's so, like they had like a solid three votes before they would have to turn on each other. which again, like isn't mm-hmm. that long of a time? But I think,
0: I think it was like the specifics of this episode and the way that like people were safe because it was like, we are eight but the person that we want to vote out is immune and the second person that we would vote out is also immune and the third person has an idol so it's just us then maybe that added to the comedic
2: yeah it 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 did kind of turn into like a comedy of errors of like oh whoops
3: I felt bad for Chanel just like walking up on all these conversations and then there's like oh let's go spearfish I was like I hope it wasn't as awkward as they as the editing made it seem because even the second time that we saw it Hi is like we have to like actually just act cool this time because last time we all scattered and then they still just scatter and I'm like what's going on I personally think they could have just been like hey like who have you been talking like just put it on her and just be like what what are you thinking or who have you been talking to like not try to explain what you've been talking about I just felt so bad for her I was like what's happening?
1: Stacey, I agree with you. I did feel bad for her. It didn't force her to have more conversations, though, based on the edit we were given. I was like, girlfriend, this is uncomfortable, and you're not doing anything about it. Like, if I had walked up twice, and they immediately scattered and went spearfishing, I'd be like, their vote is me. Do you know what I mean? So it's an interesting choice, because also at that point in time, she thought she was safe, right? Like, they hadn't turned back time yet.
2: Yeah, so she didn't think she was safe.
1: Oh, did I say it backwards? I said it backwards. You thought you were on the chopping block and twice you walked up to people and they scattered? No, no. It's not a good look, ma'am. It's not a good vibe. But again, it could be the edit. They could have been doing it for comedic effect and maybe there was a longer time and then they were like, okay, now we're going to go spearfishing, but it just, poor Chanel. I wish they had
0: thought up better lies to tell her because like when she was talking to Lydia and she was like, <laughs> what were you guys talking about on the beach? And Lydia was like, nothing. We were just talking about rox roy and she's like and nothing else like what do you think is gonna happen like who are you gonna vote for and lydia just didn't have an answer for her um and that made me feel bad because i was like if you're gonna lie to the poor girl and make up a lie you know because then it was just kind of cringy on both
3: sides i yeah. was on her side though and i i'm struggling to remember what happened like before the time changed or after but at some point she like doesn't directly tell omar like you don't have a vote or she's like very vague about it or maybe i don't know if she said it or what but i feel like omar was just like why is she being so weird about this like omar was basically like i thought for sure you had protected your vote and now like you're not really telling me about it so i thought she didn't handle that great basically
1: yeah i'd forgotten about that and i actually like chanel what we've learned about her is that bitch should not have gone on the journey like, she has made one bad decision after the other related to the journey. That is what her downfall was when she couldn't vote. It, like, ruined her relationship with Daniel. It clearly fucked her with Omar. Like, it's, <laughs> it's not going to work out well for her. Sweet angel. She shouldn't go on the journey.
2: A hot take with that. Do we think she just forgot that Omar had also lost his vote? And, like, guys, like, I, I like Chanel if she too. did, though, like, I, come on. Like, I like Chanel too. I really do. She was one of my picks. And I say this with love. Do we think she's just dumb? She truly, like, just didn't even think about Omar in that moment. Like, I just, like, I saw it and in my mind. I was like, that bitch didn't tell him because that bitch forgot.
3: I think that the the editing is definitely making her look like she's not in the game the same way anyone like others are. I mean, not as bad as, like, Rock Story up to this point, but, like, they're making it look like she doesn't have like a lot of insight, but I don't know. Like, I just,
2: it could I very could well be her it. edit. It could you know. very well be her edit because even when she was talking about it, <laughs> when she would walk up on people, it would like cut to her face being like something sketchy about this. And like, she wouldn't do anything about it. Two
0: moments that we saw that were not really like Alliance strategy building, but that I thought were just like two really beautiful relationship building moments um, and a lot of what we saw overall was like relationship building, not so much alliance building. But these two moments that we see that really don't feel like gameplay are a conversation between Hi and Romeo, where Romeo discusses with Hi his own personal difficulties that he's faced as a member of the LGBTQ community and not being out to uh, some of his family back home and knowing that they're going to see him talking about it on the show and being worried about the way that they're going to react. Um, And they share this nice moment on the beach. And then we also see a conversation between Omar and Mike where Omar, I don't even want to say reveals because that makes it sound like it's a secret and it, it didn't seem secretive. It just seemed like a moment of sharing between friends. But he talks about his relationship and the fact that he's been in this relationship for six years and that they're both saving themselves for marriage. And he sort of leans on Mike's shoulder and he's like... Six years is a really long time though. But Mike is super cool about it. And they just share this nice like friendship moment that felt quite removed from the game in a nice way. And I was already team Omar and Mike in this episode. So I enjoyed seeing them share that moment together. Don't know if anyone else feels a a certain type of way about those.
2: I mean, I think for me, like obviously I'm going to connect more with the Romeo and High conversation, but I always say like, You come out multiple times. Like you don't just come out as gay and then you're done. There's different things that you have to come out about and then you have to like accept about yourself. And I really do relate to what Romeo was saying of just being like, I'm out to the majority of my family, just not the people who live in Ecuador, I believe he said. El Salvador, I think. El Salvador. And I really understand that. And it was nice to see that conversation being talked about on tv on a show other than drag race you know like it's just it felt different watching it on survivor and i was really happy we had that conversation because it's definitely a struggle that the majority if not all lgbt plus community members go through at some point in their life and coming out process
3: Yeah. I mean, I can't add a lot to that, but I did like seeing them connect and just the way that High was there for him and was like, I can tell you've been holding it in, like just let it out. And, you know, we did talk about the very, I think even in our pre-season episode, how the diversity this season is not just racial, like it is more LGBTQ plus. So I think that allowed this kind of moment. This, the other one is just that, again, this was a, another moment I forgot where I feel like Mike is, like, people are telling him, I guess what, I I swear, I'm not trying to just bash Tori every episode, but, like, I would kind of expect the counselor to be the one who, like, just by, like, your, they don't even know she's a counselor, but just by your, like, nature to get these kinds of, like, stories out of people or these kinds of, like, personal things and it's Mike. And I'm kind of like, I believe Mike has good people skills. And just like, and it's not even, I don't think it's just like for the game. Like, I think he's good at just like making you feel comfortable enough to tell him stuff. It was nice to see that personal moment as well.
0: Yeah, Stacy, I totally agree regarding like the level of trust that Mike has shown in this episode that he's going to be able to build and has clearly started to build. Um, and I was really impressed with it because <laughs> I was not expecting it from him. Which I guess speaks to the conversation he had with Jonathan in that I misjudged him. So excited to see more of that. Okay, switching gears to the main outcome of this twist, which is that Roxroy is on Exile Island for two days by himself, exiled from the tribe, and he is going to make the turn back time decision, or what we know is the turn back time decision. What Jeff will just call a historically game-changing choice. And Rockstar really shines, you guys. I'm not going to lie. I almost picked him as my castaway of the week, but I didn't because I knew we were going to talk about him quite a lot with regard to this twist. He really struck me with his attitude. He goes quite a long way to explain how grateful he is, not only to be on Survivor, but sort of for this opportunity to be on Exile Island. We get his some of his backstory in him talking about his vision problems, And he's standing on top of the mountain, like looking out over the water and the other mountains and the islands. And he says, like, I don't know that there's ever going to be an opportunity for me to see something like this again, like both experientially, but also visually. And he gets very emotional, but he talks about it with so much gratitude. And it was just a really beautiful moment to watch. And not only that, but he also thrives in exile. We see the shelter that he builds and you're like, why was Tori so mad that all he wanted to do was build the shelter when this shelter is incredible? Like, I wouldn't be mad. I'd be like, do your thing, dude. You can do this all day and we will be so comfortable. But he really thrives. And I think the sort of rift he had with Tori also allowed him to be more appreciative of this sort of escape. And we'll get to, you know, the actual decision making he does with the twist in a minute. But I just I really loved this for him. And I already liked Roxroy, but this made me like him a lot more, seeing him in a context that wasn't just arguing with his tribe. (laughs) If anyone has any thoughts before we talk about the decision he made.
3: Yeah, I feel like I didn't like Roxroy that much before. I like last episode, I did notice that he was like really soaking in the view of the journey with Lydia. I was like, that's nice. But I just, you know, what they had shown us was him being kind of bossy, just not reading the cues that well. But I am glad they showed this. I mean, they kind of had to since he was sent, you know, to exile, but I'm glad they did. I was definitely crying when he talked about keratoconus. I have keratoconus. Like I found out a couple of years ago I have that. I don't think it's as, you know, as extreme as his. I the doctors haven't told me that I might be blind. So I don't know if I'm just, you know, if it just gets worse with age, but that was very touching just to hear more about that. Cause honestly, it's a pretty rare eye disease. And I don't think that many people, I've never heard someone talk about it. Basically. I don't know anyone else who has that. I've never heard someone talk about it. So I feel like if other people watched that who do have it, that could also be very meaningful. And yeah, it just kind of shows like, again, I think we have said before, like, is Rockstroy here to play? Or is he just like here for the adventure? And I think he is here for the adventure. And But it's like, that's okay. Especially when you hear his story, it's like, that is okay. You do you. And I mean, you also have good work ethic and skills too. So I really appreciated it. And it really just stood out to me.
1: I did really like Roxbury. Again, I think, Stacey, your point here is the right one. He's not here to play Survivor. He's here to enjoy an adventure and something that he might never have had the opportunity to experience. I think his voting record and his just in general approach doesn't show he's a social threat. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if that kind of lets him just kind of dangle and continue to go through this game. He does seem to have a pretty strong relationship with Drea. And with Romeo. And so, like, if those two want him to stay, he will stay. So at this point, I'm not like get rid of Roxoy, but I don't think he's affecting the game. But I thought it was very sweet and very exciting to see him and like understand more about him. I feel bad that I made fun of those glasses. I feel bad. I take it back, Roxoy. But I don't need him to play Survivor again because I don't think he's playing Survivor.
0: It was the moment when he came back to camp and it might have been Omer or somebody else. I'm not sure, but they were like, oh, by the way you're in this alliance and he was like okay cool like I don't have to do any work Part spoiler this- alert
1: he still doesn't vote with them well yeah <laughs> it's like a different conversation for later but he don't vote with them yeah
0: so he's like is he in the alliance I don't know <laughs> but someone put him there so but people
1: good. are protecting him like his name was not on the block you know what I mean yeah it doesn't matter who he votes for because no one's voting for him Precisely. so it's it's fine. <laughs> But he does have
0: this decision to make. As I kind of mentioned before, last season, we had a full week in between episodes before we knew what decision was made. And so even though we were like, she has to, like Erica has to smash it and save herself, right? There was that little bit of doubt. We don't have that here. We, we find out pretty much right away. But also, despite the fact that it is almost abundantly clear what decision he's going to make, because... Not only is the majority of his alliance on the team that needs to be saved, but also he needs to be saved. But despite that, he does sort of very clearly spell out his thought process and he walks through like, these are the cons, these are the pros which I appreciated just from like a, I don't know, all encompassing perspective of of what he's thinking about, even though we just mentioned that he's definitely not thinking about the game. Um, I thought this was a good moment for him to be like, okay, here's why I might not do this. But yeah, pretty much for sure. I'm definitely going to do it.
2: (laughs) As we were watching, we did not think he, we were convinced that he was not going to smash it. Like, could- Really? Yeah, we were because he was like, it's not the honorable thing to do. He's like, they had their shot. They lost their shot. They don't deserve a second chance. Um, If I do this, I'm going to piss people off. And like we have been saying, he's just like not there to really play the game. So like, I was just like, yeah, he's not going to do it. This is going to be a boring aspect. He's just going to go back. But like, he did it. Like, I was truly shocked.
1: That is wild to me. No, I think it was because of his hesitancy in every other opportunity he's been given to do anything in the game, coupled with the fact that he literally said, you know, there's no participation trophies. So like, why would I change it? They lost. And I think also then coupled with also the entire challenge, he's like, wow, Jonathan is a specimen. He was basically Jeff again during the challenge. He was like, wow. He's very strong. This is very impressive. He's like talking to Lindsay. He's like, Lindsay, isn't this cool? Jonathan's very good at this. I don't know. There was just this like awe to him about that. And we spent so little time in the edit with him. Why would you only spend four minutes on him if he actually smashes it? But no, we only spent four minutes on it and he did smash it. So the editing was just like, that's not interesting. Okay. I, I feel like it is interesting, but we just spent no time on it. So I think it was us maybe being taken in by, some outside factors because maybe realistically it was more obvious that he was going to smash it but I was like I just don't think he's gonna do it
3: the fact that it makes you safe as well I just feel like it will always be smashed because okay. like who is gonna not make them themselves- Stacey
1: this is my problem with it my <laughs> problem with this advantage I don't know if this is the time to talk about this I actually think you should be safe regardless then you actually make a decision. Like it should be, do you want to fuck over those other people and keep these ones safe? You're definitely safe or you're definitely not safe. So that's off the table. You just decide if you fuck over these people or not. Of course they're going to pick to save themselves. Even someone like Roxbury, who maybe is not playing Survivor. It's too obvious a
3: choice. I agree. Yeah. It's- it is. It's so obvious. I will also say like, I was really hoping one change would be that they just let him flip it. I really thought Jeff would be like, you know what? This time we don't need glass all over. Like, can you just flip it? <laughs>
0: but but I, I agree that it's obvious. And that I think was my point with like, he takes the time to explain, okay, but these would be the pros or excuse me, the cons of doing it. So that even though it is like, okay, if the outcome is that you are safe, plus on top of that, his alliance, would be safe. Like, of course he's going to do it. But I appreciated that they took the time to be like, but here's why I'm- might not. Anyway, Rockstar does in fact turn back time by smashing something that you could have flipped over to turn back time. But regardless of that, he does it. And we find out immediately, like I said, we don't have to wait a whole episode, or excuse me, a whole week for a new episode. We immediately jump to the first individual immunity challenge where Jeff reveals that Rockstar had this decision to make and that he did in fact decide to change the game. Tori has quite the reaction. <laughs> Hi also reacts, but in like a much more reasonable way where he like starts to laugh. And Jeff is like, is it funny? And he's like, no, it's just you know, Survivor. You can't get too comfortable. There's no free meals. And then Tori has an absolute stink face on, a poo-poo stink face. And Jeff is like, Tori, what's going on? And she just tries to make the argument that like Rock Story screwed her team over because they did him a favor by sending him to have this opportunity to have power. And basically everyone listening is like, yeah. And he took the power. Like, what are you, what are you mad about? <laughs> um, and she's digging herself in a deep hole. And Mike says she's burying herself, but yeah, just even more piling on to the anti-Tory pile in my book, unfortunately, but then Tori goes on to win the challenge. It's not an overly physical challenge. It's stacking blocks And having to like hold them on that platform thingy. We've seen it a billion times. But Tori wins. After the challenge, we get back to camp. And it's a lot of scrambling. Because not only is Tori still safe. Wait, I said that backwards. Tori was safe, then was not safe, and is now safe again. You know what I mean. You all watched the episode. So now it is a scramble of who the heck are we going to get out? Because we didn't know that these were going to be the people that we had an option to choose from. So the people on the chopping block are now Jonathan marianne hi and lydia we get back to camp and we start pitching who we want to get out there's bids for jonathan as like a now or never kind of thing there's bids for marianne because she has an idol some folks are like i don't really care anyone but me but who would like to go first in discussing what we have because i'm out of breath because i have a sore throat
2: i think this is where omar shines and this is where omar earned my earned i act like it's this coveted spot i really let's be honest i usually pick the hottest person there um <laughs> but um this is like where like oh my like gained a lot of my respect and, like why i made him my like, castaway of the week was because he saw something that could benefit him if he changed it up and then he made it happen. Like, not only did he talk about it to like the camera, because we see that a lot of times where people are like, it would actually be really good if this happened for me. But then we don't see them actually doing anything to change it. And Omar actually changed it, where he was like, no, 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 I don't want to get rid of Marianne because she still is on my side and has the advantages. Lydia is not fully on my side and ha- brings nothing to the table. So if we get rid of her, Taku stays strong at four. Plus, I keep all my advantages with Marianne, and he like was really great at talking to every single person. He even convinced High to switch his vote and make uh, High go on his number one, which. I also think it was a great move on High as well, but we could talk at tribal when we talk about the noteworthy votes. But I think that High made a great choice there as well. But also, like, I admired Romeo for calling out Jonathan and be like, why are we why is not everybody going after Jonathan? And I was like, T, why aren't you? But sorry, Romeo, you need to be a little bit louder next time. I thought this pre-tribal stuff was really like the most interesting parts of the episode. But it was so condensed into only like 10 minutes. And I was like, I wish we had more of this than all the stuff that happened pre-second challenge.
3: Yeah. I mean, I'm going to talk about Omar later since he's my castaway of the week, but it was just cool to see him explain to the camera, like at first, you know, I was like, I'm safe and I don't have a vote. Like I don't need to, you know, insert my opinion. And then I thought, you know what? How can I work this for me? Um, to me, it was very like, Sandra behavior it was iconic behavior because yes you can say like anyone but me but then you're also like but wait a second I could play this chess uh game I don't play chess I don't know what you call it but I could move these pieces to my advantage here and do it subtly like I think there was a lot of talk this episode on on like social media about like kind of high versus Omar just in their approaches, because they're both, you know, playing very well. But I think Omar's was more like subtle. So that's what I liked about it.
0: Let it be known. Omar did sneak an animal reference in. It was very early in the episode, but he was like, my strategy is going to be to sit and wait and then snap at people like a shark when the time comes. Um, So this is his shark moment. The animal reference was not missed by me.
1: I love that. I think the the smart thing that Omar did, and I haven't in a while heard it articulated this well, Omar did something really smart. He said, what you have to do is listen and get enough information so that when you add your own lie to it or spin it just enough, you can get it to work in your favor, but it's also true. And I was like, yep, that's a winner right there. He was so smart. Every single person he went to, he had real evidence as to why they needed to vote Lydia. And he wasn't mean. He wasn't combative. Especially like when he went to high, he was like, I need to talk to you. And high was like, what's up? And he was like, it has to be Lydia. And I wanted to wait, but it has to be Lydia now. Then he gives his whole pitch. It's so well executed, like just to the T of like, he has left no stone unturned. He has left no evidence off the table. And then at the end he goes, but if you're not comfortable with that, we don't have to. And it's not aggressive. It's not mean. But he's like, looking at the evidence, we have to go, Lydia. That is straight up masterful. And I think the best part about the way Omar did it is he was so clear. You could not question Omar's logic. And then he was also like, but if you don't want to, we don't have to. It gave you agency, even though in the end, you didn't take it. Well done. And I think that's
0: a lot of what comes up in the conversation at Tribal as well is like this idea of the truth and what version of the truth you're putting out. And I think like Omar hits the nail on the head, just like you said, of being like, you have to sprinkle some truths, but some of those truths can be your truths. Like he pu- he puts together such a good argument and obviously that theme carries over into Tribal. Um, but before we talk about Tribal, the only other thing I'll point out that we see is after this conversation between Omar and High, we do see High say, okay, now I have to scramble and get Lydia the numbers to stay. We do not see that happen. And then obviously we see how the vote plays out. Whether he did try to do that scrambling and didn't get the numbers or ultimately decided just to agree with Omar's plan, we don't know. We didn't see it. But he does say this like right before we go to tribal. He's like, this is what I'm going to do, um, which I thought was interesting because it it really caught me by surprise when we did see his vote in the credits because I, I didn't think that that was what was going to happen. And it very much did. But we do go to tribal and there's all this conversation because it's the first post-merge tribal, even though they're not technically merged yet, which Jeff keeps reminding us of. And the whole conversation kind of like we've been saying is about how tribal lines are fluid. Everyone's talking to everyone. And there's this question of like, what version of yourself are are you presenting? And these ideas of perception versus reality and what version of reality are you giving? In my opinion, people are not on the same page as evidenced by the votes, especially between those that aren't part of the eight and how split their votes were. They obviously weren't communicating as much as the eight were. But yeah, any thoughts on the conversations that happen at Tribal? and Jeff's story about going to high school which was a nice weird self-insertion he always does want to play along doesn't he
3: <laughs> you're getting to my vibe check but I will say as far as the tribal conversation I one interesting part what to me was um Drea and Marianne like disagreeing yeah. on, like their stress or like the point of the game or something and like Marianne's like so we're on the same page. Like, we're saying the same thing. And Drea's like, no, we're not <laughs> to, dig- to disagree. <laughs> I don't know why it just stood out to me. But also, Marianne, like, you know, we all know she talks a lot. She's super expressive. Like, she just, she does a lot. But I feel like she's trying to explain that she wanted to come out here to, like, be herself. And I think she's confident in herself, but she's trying to also, like, grow in that confidence. And she's like, look, I understand I'm a lot, but I that's who I am. So I don't know. I just felt like her, this whole episode, I know we're talking about tribal, but this whole episode, I just feel like Marianne's like, look, this is who I am. And like, I feel good about that. So take it or leave it.
1: (laughs) I honestly don't know if I have more to add. I think my more conversation was about the masterful plan lane beforehand. I actually thought tribal was quite uninteresting. I don't know if that was an unpopular opinion or a hot take, but I was like, this isn't our best work at actual tribal, Because all the good stuff happened before Tribal.
0: I actually really agree with you on that. I liked this Tribal, but because it was just more of getting to know these people. Like, the best moments of this Tribal were that interaction between Marianne and Drea, as awkward as it was, and, like, the bug on Roxroy. Like, (laughs) and Omar being like, everybody went to get firewood, but there's no
1: firewood. Um, Wait, that made me actually cackle. I thought that was so funny. It was so cute. But like, that was what made this tribal, I guess I'll use the word
0: fun, but it wasn't like an interesting tribal, like it wasn't dynamic or explosive, but it, you know, it kept with this episode, which was these people and how they're going to interact with one another. So the most interesting
1: part truly was the reading of the votes. Cause wow,
0: what a ride we went on. What a surprise it was. I don't even remember the votes that weren't for Lydia, but they were split one and for Jonathan,
1: list. two for Marianne, one for Lindsay. Hi, Roxroy. I see you and your vote that makes no sense. And your spelling I love of you. Lindsay. <laughs> oh my God. The spelling of Lindsay. It was like L-Y-S-N-Y or something that was like not even close. I think there was a Z in there. Maybe it was L-N-Y-Z-E.
3: At first, I thought it was Lydia because of the spelling. Like, I thought he did. Oh, well,
1: Yeah, Stacey, I feel like it was L-Y. Like, he yeah, started with L.
2: No, he wrote Lynn, L-Y-N, with a Z. Yeah,
1: there was a Z. Oh, there, there was, was there. no extra letter. It was just the Z
0: no, at the end. it was just
2: end. L-Y-N, Z.
0: I guess that's Lindsay when you say it I like that. <laughs> like,
2: it technically is Lynn, Z.
0: You're not but wrong. Wow, no thank you. Yeah, Roxbury votes, votes for Lindsay, which leads us into uh, a couple of fans have spoken questions that we got, which, shameless plug, it's not shameless because this is our show, but we put our question boxes up on Instagram. Let us know your thoughts about the episode. Maybe we'll read them on our episode. So from friend of the pod, Tiffany, she says, what game is Roxbury playing? Why did he vote for Lindsay? No one else voted for her. Was confused. I also was confused. Um, By the spelling and the voting. To me, I just think it comes down to A, he's not playing the game. We've talked about it, but also he wasn't there. Like he wasn't there for so many of the conversations. And I know that the people that were able to be voted for changed once he was there, but I don't know. He missed so much that I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he just wasn't a part of conversations. Do I think he was trying? No. But do I think that he was at a disadvantage
1: for having not been there? Yes. I will give you he wasn't there. But like, Drea, you said your number one man was Roxroy. Tell him to vote Lydia. It was Just one. It was one conversation on the way to tribal because we all know once Roxroy knows the name, he doesn't have any more conversations as evidenced by him voting not Swati. So like you could have said to him before, like right after the challenge is Lydia and he would have spoken to no one and written down Lydia eyes down like that's my vote.
3: I wish we could just get an explanation for everyone's vote every week. Because some of these, like, what's happening?
1: Honestly, this is the extra content I want from CBS. Another
0: question, statement, not a question, uh, from Friend of the Pod. This one is from Jesse. Hi, Jesse. Shout out to Jesse. Uh, Jesse says, low-key disappointed and high. Now, I need some clarification. Is this about his voting for Lydia, who was his number one ally? Or is this about just the whole episode in general because I feel as though I was disappointed in his overall episode just because I expected more from him at the merge um, especially with regard to the choice that they had to potentially go on the twist themselves so I was a little bit disappointed in him just because I expected more of him. But I'd be curious to know, Jesse, what it is that you were disappointed about. So Stacey and Aggie, if you guys happen to know that uh, from group chats,
3: you let I, me know. I don't. I was guessing it was about voting Lydia, but I don't. I actually don't know.
1: I think it was in the context of voting for Lydia. But Nick, I think this, I don't know if we've, I don't think we've talked about, Nick, your sort of defensive high switching to Lydia. So this might be a good time for you to bring it up.
2: Yeah, I was just going to say, like, like I understand High's choice here because I think it came to a point where it was like, okay, I, I'm not going to have the numbers. I'm not going to be able to save her. What do I do? Do I isolate myself and alienate myself from this power alliance by not voting with them and going against them? But Lydia still goes home, who's not going to be on the jury either. I think he does truly love her. Like he wanted to be her number one through the game, but I just think it came down to like, I'm not going to get the votes. I'm not going to be able to save her. So now I just need to show my allegiance to this power alliance so that they don't see me as someone who's going to go against them or someone who's they can't trust. Like I need to show that I am with them no matter what.
0: I think he also probably had the knowledge and the awareness to realize once they were all on the same camp, like he had other opportunities. Like Lydia was no longer the be all end all for him. And I'm sure he saw some of those openings and did the math in his head of like, OK, this is still going to work out for me because I know that I have X, Y and Z as potential allies now. Um, so I don't fault him for voting out Lydia, although I'm sad to see Lydia go for sure. I'll miss her tweets and her juicy ass. <laughs> she might still tweet. You don't know. That's true. I hope she I hope she does. She won't meme her own photos, though, like her show photos. And that was always fun. Okay, it is time for Vibe Check. Jeff was on one in this episode, you guys. (laughs) He was talking to the camera. He was shouting out Applebee's. He was doing a lot of different weird ass things. So, Stacey, what in particular would you like to Vibe Check Jeff for?
3: So I'm actually not really Vibe Checking him. (laughs) I'm adapting the assignment, I guess, because I actually liked him sharing this little moment of his childhood. I was just like, Jeff, we have known you for over 20 years. And I really don't think you've ever shared about your personal life. (laughs) So I liked it. I thought he just, it just felt like he was like, you know what? I can relate to this. And I just need to share Like, I need to get this off my chest. And I liked it. It was unexpected. It was like, just you know he didn't go on a monologue. It's pretty brief, but it made him seem a little more human, like the rest of us. So, I, Jeff, I'm not vibe checking you today. I'm just saying thank you. <laughs> that was so lovely. That was so kind, Stacy. <laughs> wow, Aggie, you're
1: next. Are you gonna be kind? No, I'm gonna drag his ass. Let's go. Amazing. Okay. <laughs> so wait, no, I have two. Also, Stacy, in all caps, I wrote not Jeff telling us about his move from Kansas to Seattle. All capital letters in my jeff needs a vibe check notes anyway um i need i do need to bring up two things he did the most when describing applebee's but the fact that applebee's told him to say these words and he didn't question it he said wings crispy on the outside crispy on the inside excuse me (laughs) no (laughs) why are they crispy both places i don't get it please stop And then I think my biggest vibe check, Nick and I looked at each other and we were like, why is he saying this so much? When he told them that someone was going to go to exile, he said two days and two nights as if it was the worst possible outcome that anyone could ever experience. He was like two days and two nights. And he said it at least four times. And I was like, I think we get how long we're going to be there, Jeff. Can you please... Just move on and pick, tell us who the person is that's going. I Jeff and I, Jeff and I, know Nick and I were like, um, he said that a lot. But no, this sweet angel. I do love him. And Stacy. I love that you loved him sharing. But this man was on one this episode or both episodes, if it's two. I don't really know what the vibe was there. But Jeffrey, love you, mean it. But wow.
2: um, <laughs> Mine was not so much about... Jeff, it was about the editing of Jeff. It was when Roxroy was away for two days and two nights on Exile Island. And he (laughs) had this moment where he's cooking his rice. He's like, i am actually kind of grateful to be out here. It's a nice break from the game, you know? And then immediately the editors showed the boat coming up to the sand. It was like, as Roxroy Roy was saying, it's nice to be relaxing and have a break from the game. It was like, the motorboat on screen. And I was like, LOL, guys, just go off. Another editing moment, when Jeff jumped off the boat, he definitely fell, and the editors cut away. Because go back and watch, he jumps off the boat, and it's a quick cut to Roxroy, and I'm like, Jeff fell.
3: But also, I just love how Roxroy was like, sorry if I had to interrupt you, like, I gotta check my rice. (laughs) I was like, I don't care what you have to say, I need my rice. (laughs) His rice that I'm sure he was timing with the hourglass, (laughs) in my
0: version of events.
1: Wait, Anna, can you imagine if Jeff gets there and he's like, my guy, why is the sand not all in the bottom? We now have to wait.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Also, not Jeff being impressed with the shelter. Okay, wait. So I have two as well. One of them is when he gets to Rockstar's camp and Rockstar goes to give him a handshake with an open hand and Jeff comes back with a fist bump and you just see Rockstar's hand like close into a fist (laughs) and fist bump Jeff.
3: (laughs) It was so funny to me. And then the second one,
0: which I think I said before, but is when he's introducing uh, the things that we've changed about the twist. And he goes, here's the three variables. First, the food is from Applebee's. And he goes, and I quote, that's big. That's emotional. That's home. And I was like, (laughs) is it big and emotional? Is it Applebee's? (laughs) And I just remember, and it was in like the first five minutes of the episode. I just remember sitting with Joe on the couch being like, what the fuck just happened (laughs) like i missed the other two variables because we were laughing so hard
1: wait can i just give a special shout out to also when jeff fully read omar or omar for being like omar goes when i turned 30 or whatever i got i'm very old now and jeff was like wow let me take that statement and like he had been physically he's like that (laughs) hurt he was like that hurt and Omar was like, I'm, I'm sorry, Jeff. I didn't mean to like bring you to an existential crisis, but I do feel old at 30 and I know you are more than 30. So you don't look it though, Jeff. You look great. You never looked better. Okay. It is time. Those were really
0: good, by the way, guys. Great week for Jeff. The good, the bad, and the ugly. It's time for Castaway of the Week. We're doing something a little different where we are announcing where castaways of the week are on our Instagram in advance of our episode dropping. So you may have seen them already, but we are going to talk through our reasoning for them here. Anyway, I'm going to go first. My castaway of the week is Mike. Special shout out to when Jeff reveals that it's Applebee's and Mike with open arms goes, I love Applebee's. And I say, I know that you do, Mike. I just believe that about you. But Mike was a really unexpected player this episode. He really sort of came to life. Um, I had definitely counted him out, which is my fault. I misjudged him, which he then talks about with Jonathan about being stigmatized as a big dummy. His words, not mine. Um, And I'm sorry, because I also thought that Mike was kind of just like a big blundering player who didn't really know what he was doing. And he might not know what he's doing strategically, but he certainly knows what he's doing socially, as we saw with him and Jonathan, him and Omar, him and Drea. He's making these connections in what seems like a really genuine way, but also in a smart way. When he made his sort of partnership with Drea based on having their idols and they, you know, they each revealed information that I thought was the absolute appropriate amount. So I was very impressed with Mike and for those reasons he is my castaway of the week. Nick, who is yours? I mean, we know who it is. Explain why it is that person.
2: I'll be pretty brief because I explained about, I explained it when we talked about go pre-going to tribal, but it was Omar. He was amazing in this episode. I liked him personality-wise in the earlier episodes, but this is the episode where I started to like him as a player and I like respected him more as a player because just like I already mentioned, like the way that he had a goal in mind and instead of just hoping that it would happen, he really pushed for it and he was successful in it. It was really exciting to watch that happen for him.
3: Mine is the same as Nick's. Mine is Omar. Um, I already shared, like, I just, I think he's showing winner behavior. I feel like last last episode, I could sense it a bit when he's like, oh gosh, our tribe is getting a little unruly here between Jonathan, Marianne. Like, this is a lot, but I'm just gonna try to reel it in. And then I feel like he did what he needed to do this week with no vote. He had no vote. So he's my pick. So
1: hard agree about Omar. I think me and Anna... While we don't disagree with our picks, we also were like, let's add some color to this. So it's not everyone saying no more. Um, And the reason I picked Jonathan is for one very specific thing. Not that he eats 18 eggs. Like, who are you, Gaston? Like, I have to go. But I picked Jonathan because differently from people who he is the mold of, you know, who we're talking about, a lot of times those people are very much, when it comes to the merge, they're like, I'm going to win every challenge and they should just want to keep me because I'm useful. And he straight up looked the camera dead in the eye. and He said, I'm sorry. Does that mean that I'm not going to fight for my spot here? And I was like a fresh perspective from a man just full of muscles. I was like, you don't want them to just keep you because you fish. Like you actually are going to try and play this game. He was strategizing. He was talking to people. He wasn't off fishing like he could have done, except when they all wanted him to go fishing so they could have some fucking food. I was like very impressed with that one moment. And I also was impressed. We saw last time when Erica changed turn back time, how pissed people got. And Jonathan, you could tell, was like, fuck. Fuck but he did not show or scream or get mad. And I was like, honestly, I wasn't expecting that from him. I really expected an outward reaction given how we see him have outward reactions when like someone's doing bad in a challenge and he's like, oh my God, get it the fuck together. I really expected him to be like outwardly angry. Now he could have been and they edited it out, but he was pretty chill. And then he was like, well, now I'm not safe. I'm gonna fight for my spot in this game. He immediately went to high. He immediately went to other people. He was having conversations on the beach and I was like, yeah, work. I think because it was so unexpected for his like stereotype of player. So that's why Jonathan
0: was my pick of the week. All right, you guys. It's been a long night. We're going to hit you with some rapid fire. Okay. First rapid fire. This is kind of going along with perhaps what we all just said with Castaway of the Week. But who surprised you the most this episode? For me, it's the same as my Castaway of the Week. It's Mike. For all the reasons that I shared, I think he just was the most different from what I was expecting him to, to do. So he surprised me the most. Nick, who surprised you the most this episode?
2: Um, I would have to say probably Mike and Jonathan. I agree with what was said. Like, you just didn't think that they would, again, like, we're going to sound bad, but they said it about themselves. Like, you just didn't think that they would be able to have, like, such an intellectual conversation and connect to such different people than who they are. And they've been really able to do that, just, like, kind of prove that, like, no, we're not just going to be, like, the beefed up, um, I almost said beefed up muscle daddies, lol, the beefed <laughs> up challenge beasts. They're like, no, we're actually going to play intellectually as well as be physical. And that's very refreshing.
1: We love. Aggie, what about you? So I don't only pick Jonathan as my answer. I'm actually going to say I was most surprised by high for switching on Lydia. I actually do overall agree with you, Nick, that I think it was a move to stay in the higher numbers. But I was shocked that he did it. I also was shocked he didn't, wasn't more strategic at the um, Applebee's win about sending someone to go get the power that they all agreed was important, but then didn't do anything back.
3: And Stacy, I think Mike. I was trying to like try to mix it up, but I really think Mike. I just didn't expect this to be like his his time to shine in the game.
0: I would have to agree. OK, second rapid fire question. Uh, we kind of talked about this, but if you perhaps have a more concise or different answer, give it to me now. Are you happy with the changes they made to the twist? And if not, what would you have done otherwise to adjust the rules? Stacy, you are up first.
3: Yeah, I said, like, they need to stop smashing the hourglass. That's my biggest concern. Um, But I agree with what Aggie was saying. So I'm going to just let her repeat that part. But yeah, my thing is just like, it's an hourglass. You tell them the sand represents time. So just like flip the time. That's all you have to do. So.
1: So much less work and so much less messy. And you could reuse the hourglass next time. No, we're not making 8 million of them, but I'll just, I'll piggyback on right now. I think there should be less stakes for the person crushing the hourglass. Now, granted, I understand that if the stake is that they are safe, it does dictate what they're going to do, but I wish they were able to make the decision based on who was in the groups, not whether or not they were safe, because I don't think there's anything else ruling their decision-making other than I'm safe. If Jeff told me I was safe, if I smashed the glass, I'd smash the glass in front of him. I'm like, you don't even need to wait till tomorrow, Jeff. Smash. I will be safe. Smash. It just seems like too obvious an answer. And then you have so much power. I don't really like it. I would like to see it go in season 43. Nicholas?
2: Yeah, I mean, like, I agree with essentially what Aggie said. Like, I think if there's less stakes for the person, like, they were safe regardless of what happens or they were in trouble regardless. Like, either way... It can't just be that because you're not going to have a variety of choices because everyone's just going to want that safety and they're going to pick that safety for themselves. The way that I would change it or something that I would do different is I would get rid of it.
0: That's a very valid answer. Um, I think for me, like stakes aside, because I do agree, I think that, that we need to change something about the fact that you're only safe if you smash it, but I would love to see this is going to sound really stupid because I know that it's an hourglass and therefore the amount of time in it is an hour. But I wish that (laughs) because when Jeff walks away, he's like, take as much time as you need to decide or like you have until it's time to leave for the challenge to decide. I wish that you had to flip the hourglass and make your decision by the time the sand ran out. However, I also wish that that time was less than an hour. I wish it was like, I don't know, eight minutes or something. Um, Because I don't like the idea that they can just like mull it over for forever, I want like a little bit of pressure on the situation. So that would be mine, even though I know an hourglass is an hour. Okay. Last question, you guys. This one's a fun one. Are you an Applebee's girly? And if you're not an Applebee's girly, what is your replacement chain restaurant? Me personally, I'm not an Applebee's girly. Applebee's gives me the shits. I'm sorry if that's too much information, but... If I had to replace it, it's tough to say. I, I'm going to go with like a P.F. Chang's, which perhaps culturally insensitive, but I love P.F. Chang's. So I'm going to say P.F. Chang's. Nice uh, lettuce wrap, Anna. A nice lettuce wrap. Maybe some iced tea. Yum. Some Mongolian beef. Oh my gosh, I love P.F. Chang's. Okay, I'm done. Nick, I know your answer. Do the people know your answer? Share with us.
2: It's not that I'm not an Applebee's girly, but what I am, first and foremost, is I am family. And where do you go when you want to be treated like family? You go to the Olive Garden. You go to the Olive Garden, specifically the one in Times Square, but the one in Fiji would do for this. So the one in Fiji? Sticks, <laughs> the one in Fiji would do. The never-ending breadsticks? Uh, you know, and here's the thing. And, uh, and like you said, if Applebee's gives you the shits, you know Olive Garden in Fijian heat after not eating anything for 10 days, you would be dying.
3: Imagine the, eating
2: <laughs> unlimited soup out there. The, the ocean would run brown. But at the same time, you wouldn't care because it's the Olive Garden and you feel like family. Wow, there you go.
0: Stacey. I don't know how you follow that up, but are you an Applebee's girly? Yeah.
3: I honestly, don't. Know if I've had Applebee's because my choice for these like American chain restaurant type things would be chilies, so
2: I'd go with the chilies. I know they're similar, but like, Wait, not, was... not you saying these American chains and then saying the Mexican one, like, isn't chilies like chilies? No, chi-
3: no, not chewies. chilies. Wait, that's chilies.
0: Then chilies is American.
3: Yeah. to be
1: clear Stacy, Stacy, they don't know what Chewy's is I love you so much for thinking they would they don't know what Chewy's <laughs> it is it hasn't made it above the Mason Dixon line are you joking <laughs> <laughs> Chewy's is person? a no Nick not Chili's Chewies. Stacy oh. literally said something else oh. but she did say Chili's Chili's is Tex-Mex not Mexican there is a difference okay
3: also, Chili's is so American wrong.
1: you
0: guys
3: <laughs> Yeah, chilies though is basically like Applebee's, I think, but it's just my preference. They often have two for one marks. Um, they have honey chicken crispers, honey, honey chicken crispers. Yes. That's my order. Or I will say, well, I don't I feel like I might take yours, Aggie, if I say yes. I'm just gonna wait. I'm just doing chilies, but I would have a second option. I need to know your second option because mine was gonna be (laughs) chilies. Oh, okay. My second option would be Panera, because I feel like a good sandwich option, but it's not like Wow. The fact that I didn't
0: say Panera is honestly the most upsetting thing I've ever done. But again, imagine them eating the soups.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they wouldn't bring soup. (laughs) Their catering is salad and sandwiches, Anna. They don't give you a soup. No, get over it. No broccoli cheddar? No. Also, if Jeff brought me broccoli cheddar soup in a bread bowl, I'd throw (laughs) it back at him. (laughs) If he unveiled broccoli cheddar soup in a bread bowl, I'd be like, I'll sit out. I'll just be one of the people who, like, needs to, like, you can either save me or send me to exile, but I don't need to compete for broccoli cheddar soup in 800 degree heat. Like,
3: I'm good. Oh, my gosh. No, just a good chicken salad sandwich. Honestly, even that doesn't sound good now that I say it out loud in the heat. Panera is my favorite
1: place in the whole world. That's my comfort place. There, I feel like family. So, Nick, it's the
3: same vibe. I thought one of you would for sure pick Cheesecake Factory, to be honest.
1: (gasps) Wait, I forgot that. It's too big a menu. It's it's too big a menu, Stacey. It crossed my mind, and then I go, "No, it's too big a menu." What if they brought the the whole menu to Fiji? (laughs) (laughs) No, Anna. They're not going to bring the whole menu to Fiji. No one has the time. Also, like the skinny luscious menu. One single single page of the Cheesecake Factory menu, please. Honestly, just bring the starters, page. The starters are pretty lit, and bring me that fucking brown bread. Like, They're and some butter. Fun. Like, fuck it up.
0: Yeah, I feel like with that, <laughs> that has brought us to the end of this episode. Because we'll just keep naming restaurants and going on and <laughs> on. <honest. laughs> like, we'll just keep... Honestly? Vibes. <laughs> I'd be like, I want a Denny's, but I also want the other patrons from a Denny's. So, like, a high school class party. <laughs> like, do they come
3: with oh.
2: I would be that annoying person if, like, they did bring Olive Garden. Be like, this is not how it tastes in the restaurant. (laughs) Like, I would just, I would be. They would hate me. I would be like, this is not. This is not authentic Olive Garden Alfredo sauce. You uncultured swine. You guys, (laughs) I have 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 to end it. I have to end it. What have you done to my family?
0: Okay. Good night, everyone. This has been a wonderful episode. Thank you so much for listening. If for some reason you're still listening, or if this even makes it into the episode, we'll be back next week with another, and another after that, and probably another after that. Subscribe, like, follow, whatever else the heck you do. Thank you for listening. Thank you for escaping reality with us. Goodbye.